profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. Today, Sears filed Chapter 11 for bankruptcy. A sad day, multiple complex causes, but also a very interesting brand story. To talk about that story, I went on the air with CFAX's Mark Brenning. Here's our conversation. The once dominant retail chain that changed how Americans shopped and how they lived has filed for bankruptcy. After 132 years, Sears is gone. The final straw today, a $134 million debt payment was due. Sears and Sears Holding couldn't afford it. Let's find out what the heck happened. My guest is Mark Stoiber. He's a brand strategy consultant, entrepreneur, the author of a couple of books, Didn't See It Coming, and his latest, Stop Busting Your Brand. Thanks for coming in, Mark. Thanks for having me. A great story. It is a very interesting story, and sad, too, when uh, you when you hear about these things uh, that you remember from childhood. Uh, I think a lot of Canadians got their, um, their goods going through the Sears catalog. Yeah. Americans, for sure. Uh, but, gosh, you know, iconic in every way, and now gone. Well, it was a symbol of the good times that came out of World War II. You know, the, the rising middle class, the affordability, being able to get stuff that worked really, really well, delivered right to your house, or you got this experience of going to a department store. I just had this conversation downstairs with the person sitting at the front desk of your office here. Tell she tour. When she was When she was growing up, she said they used to take special trips down to the United States, and stuff at Sears was cheaper, and the quality was amazing. It was like, it was like going to... You know, it was like going to New York City or something like that. She still has those fond memories of Sears. It's a really, really sad story. Well, New York, New York once went bankrupt, so yeah, exactly. Makes perfect sense. Okay, so what the hell happened here? What the heck happened? A number of things happened, but I think from a brand perspective, what happened was that they forgot what the brand stood for in the first place. When Sears first came out, they harnessed two amazing, th- or three amazing things. One, communication. The Sears catalog. You can say yes. Sears catalog to anyone. Yep. They all have memories of it. Two, logistics. They harnessed the post office and, and the railroad in a way that nobody had done before. How do you mean? Well, what they did, they used the United States Post Office to distribute these catalogs all across North America. Nobody had done it to that point in that sort of way. And three, uh, the communication, I guess, it not only was the Sears catalog iconic, but it was a way of retailing. They showcased up to 10,000 items in each Sears catalog. You know, which it totally a prede- uh, predecessor to the, the interweb because, you know, they say today you can shop for anything. Well, you know what? You could do it back then, too, in 1945, 1965. It was like having the Internet delivered to your doorstep. You know, well, this is how many Canadians, along with the Bay, I guess, but yeah. how many Canadians and certainly Americans mm-hmm. uh, figure it, especially if you're living in a smaller uh, center yeah. where, you know, you weren't too close to big stores. Uh, This is how the kids picked out what Santa was going to bring them for Christmas. And you knew that even though you were remote, you weren't in in the hub, you weren't in New York City, you could get good, reliable stuff. Yeah. So you didn't feel isolated. And remember, the majority of the population back then was rural. Back in the 1940s and 50s, they were still not living in the big cities. 
And that was what the brand stood for when Sears and Roebuck combined forces. They were watch sellers, by the way, mail order watch sellers. Is that how Sears started? That's right. That's how they started. Who is Roebuck? Roebuck, um, Alva Roebuck was his name. And uh, I have I have Sears first name written down somewhere. Maybe we can make that a maybe make that a phone call. But um, uh, Alva Roebuck and blah 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 Sears, uh, they got together. One was a uh, watch salesperson. Another one was a watch repairman. So that's that's how they that's how they got their start. And um, go on through the ages, and what we see is Sears losing that brand of innovation. You know, communication, logistics and retail innovation. Instead, they fell into the hands of the bean counters as companies, as they grow, inevitably do. They go away from the innovator and toward the administrator. And today, Sears was actually being run by a gentleman who runs a hedge fund, who is also the largest shareholder of Sears, which is snaky in my reckoning anytime. But what it tells you is just how far they got away from what their brand was in the first place. Richard Warren Sears. Richard got Warren with Sears. Alva Curtis Roebuck. There you go. Formed Sears Roebuck and sold more than just watches. Okay, how did they lose their path? How did they lose their way? I think they lost their way uh, as they inevitably do, as companies inevitably do, unless they're very vigilant about their brand. Because what happens is they grow to a certain size. By the way, when the Sears Tower was built in Chicago, it was the tallest building in the world. 1973, Sears was unstoppable. They lost their way because the innovators who had the idea handed over the reins to the administrators who had to make the numbers work. And when you're a bean counter, you don't understand the magic or you don't get the magic. You get the byproduct of the magic, which is sales. And that's, that marked the time when Sears started to go into different financial tools, something that Canadian Tire has to watch out for too, because they went into insurance, they went into credit cards, they went into financing, all these things that look good on paper, but strayed from the original vision of providing everything that you could dream of right to your doorstep, right? And that was the beginning of the end. Of course, it was also exacerbated by people's move from rural settings to urban settings, right. which means they moved closer to shopping malls, which means that they could get the effect of a department store, which was all this magical stuff in one place, but they could buy it at little specialized stores as opposed to going to the one place. And finally, I think that the internet uh, was the, the death knell and Sears people were not tuned into the internet at all. And I think that comes with when you reach a certain size, you begin to be protective of your brand as opposed to aggressive. You don't reach out anymore, you just protect the turf you've got. And we've seen that a number of times, for example, with Smith Corona typewriters, they lost their mission because they thought they were a typewriter company and not a data transformation company. So same thing happened to Sears, and I think then it was just the beginning of the end, and they've gone through years, a decade, in fact, of just trying to rescue the brand. It has been a slow death, Mm -hmm. and uh, I asked you this question. I want to share this with our listener. Uh, The fact that uh, when you... I hope there's more than one listener. uh, Well, I speak to one person. Okay. I learned that from Terry Moore. (laughs) So... Is it my mom? It'll probably be my mom, your mom listening, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's a, somebody else, but sometimes it's your mom. Today it's your mom. My mom. Um, you know all about slogans and mottos and company names and their brands and how they uh, sell themselves to the public. And I asked you this as you sat down. What's the motto for Sears? What's the catchphrase for Sears? 
and we both didn't know. Color me embarrassed, huh? And well, no, I think that's that is exactly to the point: is that we don't know. They've been so far off our radar for so long. I'm not saying they didn't sell good things and they had good people there. No, no, no. I'm just saying they weren't at the top of the list when you said I had to go. When someone said I needed to buy a pair of jeans, or Mm -hmm. I needed this, or I needed that, let's go to Sears. There were so many other places that you would think of first. Mm -hmm. So I told you, as of May 2010, this is the best I can find on the uh, on the Google. Um, the current tagline as of 2010 was life well spent mm. and that means nothing to me I never means heard nothing that. to nobody I, didn't I think it's that. a collection of it's 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 industrial poetry it means nothing to nobody yeah you know and I think that that's symptomatic because also what it is in in advertising and communication we talk about having an edgy message you know like just do it yeah uh, you know so where I you know. go ooh you know it's a bit sure. exclusive you know hey yeah. get off your butt and do it Whoa, might offend somebody. Life well spent, what we talk about is rounding off the edges. Any sort of edge that the message or the meaning ever had was taken off to appeal to the maximum number of people, which in the end appeals to nobody. It becomes like white bread and toast, you know? It's, it's, It's not great. So, but I, you know, there's an interesting phenomenon at work here too. Now we, we don't, we can bemoan the passing of Sears, but we can also talk about a phenomenon called creative destruction. Now, I don't know if we have time before the break to go Let's into this. Let's do that when we come. It's called okay. creative destruction. Creative destruction. And it is, it's a, it's a natural force. And it's, it's very interesting. Creative destruction. I can't wait to hear about this. Hey, it's Mark here. I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, while we're in the break, make sure to check out my book, Stop Busting Your Brand. You'll find it at stopbustingyourbrand.com. If you enjoy the book, let me know. Now, back to the show. That's a stater. I still talk through paper cups with string. I bet you do. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about Sears. Mike Storberg is a brand strategy consultant, and we're looking at Sears, which didn't see it coming. Uh, it's If you want a place to go buy something real cheap, I guess, while the stores are still available mm-hmm. in the States. Mm-hmm. Sears is going out of business after 125 years, or a little bit more, actually, mm-hmm. than that. Uh, that's an amazing story. You were talking about some destructive force. Force. Yeah. Tell me about this. It's a natural force. It's creative destruction. A tree grows from a sapling in the woods, grows up to its logical height, falls over. Oh, it's the Henry same David Thoreau when you come Exactly, yes. exactly. It's the same thing remarkably in business. What happens? Businesses are started by innovators. They have nothing to lose. They're aggressive. They're small. They're eating, you know, uh, uh, craft uh, dinner and sleeping on couches. They grow their business aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. They get to a certain size, hand it over to managers, grow some more, get to a certain size, become huge. Their interest becomes not in aggressively pursuing new things, but in protecting the turf that they had. And that is the beginning of the end. And what happens with companies like that? They get to a certain size, like a tree, and they fall over and die. Now, a great example of this is if you look at the Fortune 500 from 1955 and the Fortune 500 today, 12% of the companies that were in the Fortune 500 in 1955 are with us today. 88% of the Fortune 500 companies from 1955 aren't there anymore today. They're not around. Yeah. Too big to uh, fail. Well, that's the thing. But then what's even more interesting, if you dig into it, you look at the ones that are still killing it today. You've got companies like Boeing, Campbell Soup, General Motors, Kellogg, Procter Gamble, IBM, Whirlpool. Now, I'm going to challenge you. Boeing, what do they do best? Sell airplanes. 
Campbell Soup. Uh, sell soup. Kellogg. Sell cereal. Sears. Go out of business. Go out of business. The problem is, Boeing makes airplanes, and they kept their eye on the ball. They said, we have to make the best dang airplanes we can make. Kellogg said, we have to keep making cereal that keeps up with the times. Sears said, we are an amalgamation of all these other brands within us, so we are a box, effectively. What are we going to do? Well, are we going to make our own stuff? Kenmore, Craftsman, things like that? Yes and no, but they are hampered by the quality of the products that are coming in, and they didn't find something else. Now, let's take a look at another company, Nordstrom. Not falling to creative destruction, going stronger than ever. They turned their advantage into insane service. Now, they carry extremely good items like Holt Renfrew does, but what they're known for is doing service that is far beyond what anybody else does. Now, another thing, you want to combine that with another interesting innovation. You look at the Hudson's Bay. We were having this conversation with the lady at your reception downstairs. She said, you know, if the bay uh, went the same way as Sears, they would be gone today too. But what they do, you can go online with the bay and they will deliver the item that you want to the store that's closest to you. And then you can go to a completely different store across the country, say, no, I don't want these shoes anymore. And they'll say, no problem at all. So they have figured out an, a seamless sort of uh, logistics program that Sears never did. And Sears never figured out how to take it away from whatever product and make it something unique like service. They also didn't push the envelope for example, with logistics and communication, and they were taken over by Amazon. You remember, right before we were talking on the show, we said Amazon is Sears. Right. They figured out how to communicate, they figured out how to amalgamate products, and they figured out how to, how to tap logistics. They bought, you know, I mean, they're the biggest user of the United States Postal Service today, just like Sears was. They are Sears. And so, you know, it, it's funny because that's creative destruction. One tree falls and another one blossoms. It's interesting that um, Sears boomed after the Second World War. Mm -hmm. uh, that's when the middle class was growing mm -hmm. and uh, just really gaining roots and just, uh, you know. And now we see the demise of the middle class and we mm -hmm. see the demise of uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, think, I, I think there's I think there's, there's, so, there's more to it. I there's suspect. so many correlations, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I think that that's definitely that's definitely a big player. I think people are moving into the cities where they can get Sears-like products just going down the street. They don't have to order from the distant Sears store in the big city. Yeah. You know, you've got instant gratification online. You got anything you could probably want in the world, not just inside the Sears box. I can buy anything in the world at a couple of clicks. You know, but 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 someone listening could argue that you could say the same thing for many other major mm -hmm. stores that are still in business. Nordstrom, you mentioned Nordstrom, and you mentioned the Bay. The Bay. Yeah, I think. But I think the the Bay is 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 skating. I'm not sure how they're doing right now, so I don't want to talk out of turn. But I think you have to move from protective to aggressive with your brand if you want to stay alive, but while staying true to what the brand actually stands for. Robert Simpson started up uh, Simpsons back in 1858, just outside Toronto in Newmarket, Ontario. And then Sears joined him, forming Simpson Sears Limited. Now, somewhere in there, I believe Simpsons was converted to the Bay, but that's mm -hmm. just from the top of my head, and I don't know. 
I, I, again, we'll have to put a fact checker on that. Fact checker? Well, I'm, I'm in the fact checker. I'm now, in Google. This is the I, best I, can do here. I have some lessons to all the would-be entrepreneurs because what? I know that we have to go off the air. What lessons shall we le learn or glean from I this? think that there is a delicate balancing act between brand nostalgia and brand progress. If you live in the domain of nostalgia for too long, like Sears, remember the good old days, you forget to move forward. But if you too aggressively go forward, you lose your roots. So it's a constant balancing act and an act of tension. Well, thanks for coming in. Thanks again. So any parting words for Sears? Uh, I think uh, good luck, Amazon. Let's see how she goes. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I hate when these things go down. No, it's terrible, but... Well, you don't want to keep up? It's creative destruction. Then don't keep up. Exactly. Lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. That's your bumper sticker, That's isn't my it? bumper sticker. Thanks for coming in, Mark Stoiber. Thank you. Brand strategy consultant, didn't see it coming, and stop busting my... Brand. Brand. You've been listening to...